you are beautiful, even more beautiful than you are now. Ahem, fuck you, Max, you're not my parent. Where are they? What's happening? There's creepy glowing lights under the door. Oh my god, opening credits. Hello and welcome to Pass the Hot Sauce, a Roswell podcast. I'm Aliza Ora. I'm Lisa Abigail. And I'm Lorena Rose. We're here to talk about every episode of the 1999 WB series Roswell, one episode at a time and spoiler free. Today we will be discussing season two, episode three, Surprise. According to IMDb, this is the one where, to give Buffy a surprise on her 17th birthday, Drusilla and Spike bring together the body parts of a dismembered demon (laughs) who cannot be killed. Oh, oh no, sorry, wait, are we are we talking about a different WB show with a yes. different surprise birthday party for a different blonde teenage girl with different superpowers that ends in a different tragedy? Yes. Huh, okay. Well then, this is the one where <laughs> Mrs. Evans comes through with some well-deserved shade for that pervy guy who's trying to go out with her teenage daughter. Alex does a very public striptease, and we find out that Congresswoman Whitaker is a snake alien. Sounds accurate. Yeah. For season two, the IMDb descriptions are much longer, so I have been making up my own. Got it. <laughs> oh, really? That was one you wrote? I couldn't tell. <laughs> Uh, This episode was written by Tony Graffia. This is the last of six Roswell episodes that she wrote on. It was directed by Frederick King Keller. This is his only season two episode, but he'll be back in season three for one episode. He directed four episodes of Angel and 30 episodes of the show Hey Dude. Does anyone remember? Yes. I loved Hey Dude. Quality television. Uh, This episode originally aired on the 16th of October, 2000. So we start with seeing Izzy. She's in the dark. She's wearing this fancy, fancy pink dress that is like that Chinese brocade that was really popular in the late 90s. I know I definitely like wanted a prom dress out of that kind of fabric. Maybe because I saw this episode. I don't know. But she's like in this crazy dark place. Tess is injured. What is going on? Who knows? Where are they? What's happening? There's creepy glowing lights under the door. Oh my god. Opening credits. Yep. So this is that thing that television shows do when they're like, oh man, our story isn't very interesting. Let's take the most exciting part and put it at the beginning to try and reel people in. And then after the credits, then we go back in time a couple of hours. (laughs) And then we're going to find out how we got to that. (laughs) I do like when shows do this. When they purposely mess with time right lisa um instead of just accidentally (laughs) making no sense with time Mm -hmm. at least they purposely did it this time um no i like when an episode opens and and you're kind of thrown into a moment that you don't understand what's happening and then going back to get the answers i like that i'm down with it too it's like although like my comparison point to this would be like reading the end of the book and then going back and reading the beginning, which I don't do. But like you like get a moment that like leaves you in confusion and then the rest of the episode leads you up to solving that confusion. Yeah, I would never do that either. Like I would never like watch a finale of a show and then watch the rest of it. But like when it's when it's made that way, you know, designed to be that way. Mm -hmm. Um and then you go back and I said get answers, but let's be clear, <laughs> there are no answers given in this episode. <laughs> it's uh, not not the ones that I'm really wondering. Like, yeah. why was Tess driving 
on the highway in the middle of the night by herself. Whose Who's car? car is that? Yeah. Who brought her to that warehouse factory? We don't know. Yeah. So many questions. So I, I think that there are ways and times that this sort of device can be used to good effect. Um, my issue with it is when it's used to be like, here's an exciting moment to hook you because we don't have the confidence that you will be intrigued yeah. by our actual story. That's a bummer to me. And I do yeah. think that that kind of applies here. This yeah. episode didn't make a ton of sense. Yeah, it's a weird one. And yeah, like you both said, it leaves us with more questions than when we started. Like all this weird stuff happens and then we still don't have any real answers, except we do have an answer to Lisa's prediction last week about uh, Whitaker possibly being an alien and killing Nisado because spot on. Good prediction. Yeah, we do get some answers. Yeah. Like, we get an answer as to, like, you know, the question, why is she wearing the prom dress, right? So then you're like, oh, it's her birthday party. Okay, but why a prom dress? And you're like, oh, the dress was meant for the date. Okay, but why a prom (laughs) dress? Yeah, where would she be going on a date in Roswell with a geologist that would be fancy enough to warrant wearing a prom dress? That is a a gown. (laughs) Yeah. Like, where are they going to go? Is there, like... A black tie, like, dinner and dancing club in Roswell that we haven't seen yet? Because so far we only know about the crashdown and, like, Senor Chow's. Is that what it's called? The, like, Mexican-Chinese mashup restaurant? Like, Mm -hmm. so I feel like that's before fusion was a thing. Like, I don't know. Was fusion a thing in the year 2000? I feel like it's a mashup. Oh, I feel like that was, like, the height of fusion, right? Oh, was it? Okay. I think it was. Yeah, I think this was when we were just like, pick two countries, any two countries, throw them together. What do you get? Don't worry about cultural issues or anything. Just do it. Just smash them. One of my favorite uh, restaurants when I was on tour with the circus uh, was a Japanese-Mexican fusion restaurant. There's a lot of like Japanese-Korean fusion around here, but that doesn't feel as odd. Maybe just because I'm so used to that fusion well, and they're so close geographically in in the world, and there's a lot of Korean immigrants in Japan, so like that sort of right. fusion makes sense to me. Whereas Japan and Mexico. Hmm. So Diane says Max planned this whole party for Isabel in three days' time. Great, I guess. Did he not? Why? Why so close? Did he not know it was her birthday before then? Did he only just think of this? Why are we told this information? I don't know. Why is Izzy's birthday October 25th? This is a question I have. We had asked before, I think we had thought maybe they were twins or treated as twins, but it seems like she's older, maybe? Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, We see Courtney in the back fill soda cups by waving her hand over them. I think this is the first time we've seen an alien just conjure something out of nothing. Like, we've seen them changing molecular structures, but like... Maybe mm-hmm. Courtney's moving the molecules from the soda machine to the glasses without anything in the middle, but like, yeah. like Wonka Vision. Yeah, but it, like from what we see, it looks like she is just shooting soda out of her hands, which is like a new level of power. And I don't know if they're meaning to imply that these aliens are more powerful than the alien hybrid things that we know, or if they were just like, this would look cool. Let's do it and not think too hard about it. You'll have to wait and see. Okay, my very favorite 
line of this entire episode is in this very first scene where uh, Grant comes in and all ready to take a freaking high school student. Jesus Christ, Grant. Ready to take a high school student out on a date. And that high school student's mom is there. And he's like, oh, surprise parties. Woohoo. And Diane Evans goes, oh, when's your birthday? And Grant's like, December 7th. And she goes, and what year might that be? Yes. And I was like, yeah, Diane, you tell him. Yes, that was one of my favorite lines, too. You point out how creepy this is, Diane. Good for you. I love, I love how that. horrified Diane is so many times during this party. Yes. I think this was Diane's best episode to date. Oh, personally. absolutely. Diane is fabulous. Also, the, the way that she said that, just like so casually, like, and what year might that be? <laughs> it kind of reminds me of when my mom, like, if I start dating a new person, my mom will be like, oh, and um, what was uh, what was his bar, bar mitzvah portion? Yes. Like, what, like, what Torah portion did he read at his bar mitzvah? As in, did he have a bar mitzvah? As in, wow. is he Jewish? <laughs> Like, you're not being subtle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't think Diane was trying to be subtle here. I think she was no. trying to point out something that is important to point out. This is creepy. Yeah. Okay, so I do, I like that Diane here is like, listen, Isabel, I'm not going to ruin your birthday, but like, dude, we're going to talk about this. I'm like, yes, Diane, very important. But then Max is like, ditto. Like, we're going to talk about it too. I'm like, no, Max, no. Fuck off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same. No, you're not like, in charge of your sister. Get out of here. Mom, it's okay for mom to be like that. Brother? Bye. I mean, I don't care if he's supposed to be the leader, the king, the whatever. Like, I'm over his controlling attitude. And a second ago, like, there was, I think, Michael along the line of Diane was, like, kind of being a little protective or kind of, um, you know, questioning this guy standing in front of him. And, like, that's a way for a brother to act, maybe. But Max is acting like a... a parent i just i i literally wrote ahem fuck you max you're not my parent (laughs) (laughs) yeah Yeah, i think there's a difference between like oh hey i care about you and i don't want you to get hurt or you know i don't want you to expose us and being like well i'm in charge so i'm gonna just tell you what you can do with your life yeah and that's totally what he was implying yes and then grant is bleeding from this like weird neck wound that like doesn't like I mean he could have just said I must have cut myself shaving like I must have injured myself on the dig today anyway right like hours ago is he okay does he not clot properly also like I'm (laughs) not gonna like reach out and touch somebody who's bleeding yeah let me let me see how much of your bodily fluids I can get on my hands no yeah that's not what you want but I did, I also wondered, like, is it supposed to be significant that she, Isabel, has her first little, like, flash when she touches the blood? Or is it just the red color? Are they doing something here? I don't know. They don't answer that question. That is not one of the things that we find out. I think they were trying to imply that, like, he had been involved in some nefarious thing that caused whatever accident she's having flashes from. Hmm. I think they were trying to make it seem like it was him. Yeah. Well, then we head to Whitaker's office where Liz is there working instead of uh, instead of being at Isabel's party at the restaurant that her family owns. But sure, she's there working, jamming out to the Run Lola Run soundtrack. Supposedly. And she's also still the only person who works for this congresswoman. Yeah. And we have 
I, it seems like she's just working there constantly. Like, does she not have hours for this internship? Which we know she's not getting paid for. Yeah, I feel like she just doesn't want to be around the aliens right now. So she's using Whitaker's yeah. office and volunteering there or being an unpaid intern as like an excuse to like put herself separate from them. Yeah, she associates all alien stuff with Max and her relationship with Max. And I think she's just trying to distance herself from all of it. No, that's totally fair. So when um, when Whitaker catches Liz listening to this music, she's like, oh, the Run Lola Run soundtrack story of my life. <laughs> I was like, I, I remember that movie being kind of crazy. So I like looked it up as like, what could she possibly be talking about? Here's just a little snippet of the IMDb description. Berlin criminal Manny delivers some smuggled loot for his boss, Ronnie, but accidentally leaves it in a subway car. Given 20 minutes to come up with the money, he calls his girlfriend, Lola, who sprints through the streets of the city to beg the money out of her bank manager father. Like, there's more. Wait, what? so, Elisa, I, did you not think that the U.S. congressperson has a similar background to the low-level German criminal? Is that what you're trying to say? You don't think Congresswoman Whitaker runs around all day trying to collect 100,000 Deutschmarks to prevent her boyfriend from being murdered? <laughs> that's that's more the part. Yeah. No, I don't th- I don't see her running around the city of Berlin trying to beg her bank manager father for money <laughs> for her boyfriend. So did you guys actually see the movie when it was uh, a thing? I did, yeah. I remember seeing the movie, and I remember it being very exciting and fast-paced. I have not seen it, but nobody's surprised. Oh my surprised. gosh, Serena, I'm shocked. <laughs> so at this point, we believe Tess has already been taken, right? Because she's not at the party. Mm-hmm. But Isabel has already had a flash. Right, so Isabel's had the flash. Tess has been taken. Yeah. When did Whitaker do this? And then go back to her office to go to this party? Like, does she have henchmen working for her? Unless we're assuming Isabel is, like, seeing the future. But I don't think so. I don't know. Well, we know Whitaker has been tapping her own phones. So maybe she is capable of all kinds of uh, nefarious deeds. I mean, she could easily have henchmen, I feel like. She could have yeah. flunkies doing things for her, other aliens or uns- other unsuspecting interns that we haven't met yeah. yet. Maybe this is why we never see anyone else working in her office, because she has them all out, quote, quote, in the field, kidnapping teenage <laughs> girls. Yeah. Or, you know, like doing door knocking campaigns, whichever one they feel would be more helpful to her reelection bid. Yeah. <laughs> so we head back to the crash town and... Uh, Isabel is fed up with Max's bullshit. Max is like, you cannot date this man. And she's like, hmm, there's the difference between us. Like, I can date somebody and keep my mouth shut at the same time. Mm-hmm. Also, I will never tire of people throwing that back in Max's yeah. face. <laughs> yes. like, you can't bring new people in. And they're always like, you mean like you did with Liz? It's like, I will never get sick of that. The reason this whole situation started is because you brought somebody in. Okay, so Maria comes in to interrupt this by telling Isabel that there is a policeman here to see her, which leads us to a scene. (laughs) And what police, like, we only know about Sheriff Valenti and the deputy, Deputy like, yeah, Deputy Hanson, like, so... 
I mean, one of those two people is in the restaurant to talk to her. Anyway, let's go out and see a really disturbing, uh, like, <laughs> PG-13 rated striptease with really, baby like, Hanks. If you can even call it a striptease. Like, there is... Yeah, he's just down to a tank top. It wasn't but... really dancing. It wasn't really <laughs> stripping. Definitely wasn't teasing. It was originally a different song, which would have been more appropriate. It was that come on, ride the choo-choo. Come on, ride the train. Whatever. That and song. ride it. Come on, ride the train. And ride it. Yeah. That one? That Got one. It. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, but, so we have we have found out that Max planned this whole party, meaning he, he knew who the guest list would be and knew that his mother would be there. <laughs> Everyone knew that Mrs. Evans would be there. Why, Alex? Why, darling? Maybe Alex didn't know. Maybe he didn't get the memo. <laughs> but so later he says that Maria pressured him into doing this, which means Maria sat down and thought, you know what would make Isabel's birthday really special? <laughs> Is if some guy she's not dating did a weird kind of striptease in front of her mom. <laughs> It's just so awkward. I wrote three questions while he was doing it, which are probably not the same ones you would ask. Um, but I asked, I said, who taught him to dance? Is he trying to be attractive to her? And why is he still so adorable? Aww. <laughs> All accurate. Oh, Did anyone Colin. get a glimpse of the nipple that Maria later says like fell out of his top. No, because, I didn't know. I mean, to, he's wearing a like a baggy, stretched out undershirt tank top. So I mean, it Maybe does from seem a certain angle. Yeah, it does yeah. seem plausible that there might have been some boy nipple viewage at some point. He was kind of erratic with his dancing. He could have. Yes. Everyone seems so into this until they realize that Diane <laughs> Evans is right there and like. Frankly, I don't know. Look, it's been a long time since I was at a teenager's birthday party, but I really feel like if this had happened, the reaction would not have been, ooh, Alex, go Alex. But like, dude, what are you you doing, man? Come on. My reaction would have been pure embarrassment. Even if I was not the subject of the dance, like the dancer or Isabel being the recipient of the dance, I would have been mortified. So we go to the scene where Michael has made a very lopsided cake for Isabel. And it's also very large. Huge. He must have used the Crash Downs industrial uh, oven for this. This is a gigantic I mean, cake. there are a lot of people there. Yeah. But like, none of them wanted Tabasco flavored cake. Only the aliens do. Yeah. And then Courtney is all like, oh, guys don't make cakes. Because like, boys are different than girls and gender roles. Bullshit. In my family, my dad makes the cakes. Michael should probably not be making a cake, but that has nothing to do with his gender. Yes. I think also maybe if he had, like, opened a cookbook. <laughs> yes. If he had actually consulted Betty Crocker. I'm assuming he used Betty Crocker boxed mix, but, like, he would have needed, like, five boxes to make <laughs> so a cake that size. And then he obviously didn't read the directions on the back, which, say, put eggs and oil in it. 
I know she took one look. She's like, you're supposed to put eggs. How did she know that? (laughs) Courtney is licking his frosting off of her finger. And oh my gosh, I hope she washed her hands before she went back to serving food. Because we know she didn't wash her hands after she flushed her face down the toilet. (laughs) Stroll has some serious hygiene issues. She also said, are you going to frost it? All seductively. And then she said, and I don't even remember what this was about. She said, it's coming. (laughs) I wrote it down, though. And I was like, even I think this is inappropriate. And like, I'm not usually disturbed by like, teenage sex scenes. And this isn't a sex scene, but you know what I mean. Yeah, it's yeah. a sexy scene. Uh, and then we get another stupid, like Maria and Courtney, because you got to have two girls fighting over a guy. Blah, so boring. <sighs> yeah. And then, so this is where Alex comes in and is like, Maria, you tapped into the striptease. I'm like, Maria, why would you do this to your friend? Yeah. Come on, <laughs> this was just cruel. <laughs> and Alex spent one hundred and fifty dollars to rent this police costume. That is too much money, my friend. Yeah, especially in the year 2000. Yeah. All I have to say about this, though, is that I sincerely hope that the thong was not also rented. Okay. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, was he planning to strip down to a thong? Yeah, that, that, that was my question. He's going to end this striptease in front of all of her friends in a diner with plate glass windows with his booty hanging out. That was the plan? I mean, I don't think Alex would have actually have been bold enough to go that far. Like, he thought maybe he'd get get the courage up, but I don't think he would have actually gotten the courage no, up. No, I don't think so either. Also, like, there, his, his quote-unquote striptease couldn't have been less sexy. Oh, no. So I'm not sure it would have been helped by pantsing himself. <laughs> because I, that's what it would have been. Yeah, just... Just tearing off those uh those hundred fifty dollar police pants. Oh, poor Alex. Poor, poor, sweet Alex. But yeah, this the head to head between Maria and Courtney pisses me off. Yeah. Because Courtney is being totally inappropriate. Maria has every right to be mad, but like Michael. Michael should be the one saying, No, I am I am not interested. I have a girlfriend. And he's just kind of like being a little too playful with his, like, nose. Does Michael have a girlfriend? I don't think he and Maria are together at this point. She doesn't have any claim on him, right? Like, we don't need to have both of them fighting over him. He just can make his own decisions and tell them how he feels. Yeah, I thought they were together. I don't think they are, because remember, she was all like, I, like, I want to have sex with an ex-con. And he's like, dude, soldiers can't have girlfriends and she's like have you ever seen a movie this is my recap of episode one of the the season (laughs) got it (laughs) thank you oh kyle shut the heck up i hate you in this particular scene (laughs) what happened to his path to enlightenment wasn't he like starting to become a better person well it's a secret path to enlightenment because he can't let people know he's a buddhist so he's like putting on fronts for his bros Okay, but Diane Evans, another quality moment here. Yes. So Kyle is like, if some chick's going to be yelling at me about keeping the toilet seat down, she better at least be doing me. And then Diane doesn't even say anything, just like shoots him a look and he goes, <laughs> a favor. <laughs> and she's yes. just like, hi, I'm Isabel's mom and you're a piece of garbage. But she says the last part with her eyes. Yeah, so good. 
Oh, but this is where we do find out Kyle says that Tess um, has gone to Jensen's to get Isabel's present. Yes. What is Jensen's? We don't know, but that's where she went. Is it a hardware store? Is it a clothing store? Is it a jewelry (laughs) store? We don't know. I don't know, but it must be open late. Yeah. And very far out of town. (laughs) Yes. And then, okay, you all know I, I tend to notice details. I am fairly certain that when Michael and Max start having their dumb macho argument, Isabel is sitting in a booth behind them, and there's a dark-haired girl who walks up and talks to Isabel, and I am very confident that this person is barefoot. (laughs) Please tell me if I'm incorrect. Maybe she's wearing, like, flip-flops or something that you just can't see, but it absolutely looks like this girl walks out barefoot from the back of the crash down, and it's just like, sup, Isabel? And they have a little combo. And then, okay, so Michael is now suddenly like, oh, yeah, Isabel, it'd be cool if you never dated again. Like, where is this coming from? Is Max's misogyny just like, is it now contagious? What's happening? Or is it Michael feeling like if he has to be miserable, everyone else has to be miserable, too? Or that there, it's like clear neither Michael or Isabel really want to be together or have an attraction to each other. But maybe he's like feeling that. I don't know, pull from their destinies that they've been informed of that they're supposed to be together. So he doesn't want her to be with anybody else because she's supposed to be with him. Yeah, because he he did use the words, you don't belong with him. Mm-hmm. Ugh, so she gets she gets like an intense vision when, when uh, they're singing happy birthday to her, where like Tess is coming in and being like, help me, help me. I'm wondering, like, do we think Tess is actively sending these visions is this like her mind work power or do we think isabel is somehow like gathering these visions using her alien powers without knowing it that's an interesting concept i actually didn't think of that but that's like a really interesting idea that like even amidst tess's pain and uh distress that she's in that she's trying to send a signal out to I guess whoever she thinks would be most receptive to it, that's, which that's would maybe be Isabel's ability to dream walk might mm-hmm. make the connection more receptive. I like that idea that Tess is trying to send visions out. Also knowing that, you know, Isabel might be one to be a little more uh, empathetic or sympathetic rather mm-hmm. to want to go help Tess. And also maybe come up with a slightly better plan than Max would do, although I don't know if she does. But, you know, Max's plans so far have just been like, which (laughs) not super helpful, Max. (laughs) Yeah. So I also wondered if maybe Tess, like, is everyone connected? Tess had said in the white room that she would have felt it if Max had died. I wonder if there's a connection that all the aliens can make that they're just not aware of and they don't know Mm -hmm. how to tap into. Yeah. Right. Um, But I wonder if, like, Isabel is just mentally really strong and that's why Tess's visions reached her. Or just like you said, like, that Tess knows how to use this connection uh, that they all have better than the others do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And once again, our heroes are just in the back room of the crash down waiting for Courtney to walk in and hear them talking about alien stuff. Of course. Uh, and Courtney, how dare you, Courtney says, of Tess, our dear, beloved Tess. Trust me, nobody's after Tess. All that blonde hair and eyeshadow. She's like Dolly Parton without the jugs. What, I- what kind of a statement is that? Use me. Is that an insult? Is that meant to be an insult? 
Because Dolly Parton is fabulous. Yes. Right. And jugs, big, small, no matter what size, if you have them, they're all great. Yes. But also like Courtney A. Blonde being like, ew, blondes. Like, what is this supposed <laughs> to even be? What is she doing? Well, we know she's an we know she's an alien now, so she's just in this blonde skin suit. It doesn't mean that she like it's actually true. likes being a blonde or likes the way she looks in a human skin suit. Okay, but look, even if and here's an interesting theory, even if Dolly Parton were just a human skin suit, which honestly would explain a lot. But I am proud to have her as a member of the human species, so I hope that's just how she is. Absolutely. Honestly, like, Dolly Parton, feminist icon, gay rights hero, person who was like, of course, Black Lives Matter, why is that even a question? What's wrong with you? Like, Inspires reading in children. Like, produced you guys Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Buffy producer. Yeah. I mean, come on. Yes, she just like sends books to children. Yeah, any any parent who has a child under five can sign up to have books sent to their child. I think it's every month until yes. they're five years old to inspire reading in children, even if you can't afford to buy books to keep in your house. Like Dolly Parton will send you books. Amazing. She's also, really she's amazing. good at singing and acting and dancing, too. We should not fail to mention the things she became yes. famous for. Yes, Thank you. Ashley, our producer, just popped in to say uh, Dolly Parton's book program for children is called the Imagination Library. So if you hadn't heard about that yet, listeners, and you have a kid or you know someone with a kid, sign them up for the Imagination Library. Can we spend the rest of this episode talking about how fabulous Dolly Parton is? I would honestly be okay with that. Great. So... (laughs) Liz comes in and is like, terrible news. And they're like, ah, Tess is missing. And she's like, no, different terrible news. Whitaker's been recording my phone conversations at work. And we all talk about alien things all the time. By the way, I brought my adult congresswoman, potentially evil boss to your birthday party. Is that cool? That's cool, right? Cool. Okay, cool. Also weird of Whitaker to invite herself. Yeah. So weird. You know, she well, was like, oh, you're going to a, a teenage birthday party? Sounds great. I'll come along. Let me just grab my coat. I mean, we're going to find out by the end of the episode that she is an alien and assumably a skin. And so the skins have been after our other pod squad. So obviously she wants to, like, infiltrate wherever she can, even if that is a teenage birthday party. Yeah, but this is such a bad cover story. Hi, yes. just your local congressperson showing up to your child's birthday party. That I wasn't invited to. That's cool. Always great to get to know my constituents. (laughs) So weird. And so I don't know. It's, again, been a while since I've been to a teenage birthday party. But, like, do 18-year-olds still open their presents in front of everyone? Yes. Some people do. 38-year-olds still open their presents in front of everybody. Cool, 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 cool. Um, I also, I really love, so then, like, Isabel has this vision, right? We're in their opening presents. Like, Tess was in this unknown vehicle that crashed or was run off the road or shot at her. We don't know. And Liz goes into the back room with the door fully open to a room full of extras that you can clearly see on the other side. Did you have another vision? (laughs) It's all good. It's all good. We do get acknowledgement. Isabel's like, so we haven't treated Tess very well. And I'm like, thank you, Isabel. Finally, someone acknowledges that y'all have been really mean to Tess, who was brainwashed and then had her father figure abandon her and then be murdered. Like, she probably needs some emotional support. Not, she doesn't need to be kidnapped, 
by her congressperson. Yeah, Isabel is the best. And she even says, like, she's even talking about the way that she's acted. She's like, I'm not proud of the way I've acted, which, like, yeah. good for you. Self-reflection is always good. Yes. So they get Valenti involved in helping find Tess now that it's clear that something is wrong. And Max and Valenti, team Max and Valenti... Looking for clues. Yeah, I have a question. Where is this? Because at first I thought they were at, like, Tess's old house. But then I thought, well, if they both, like, it's, how long has she been staying at the Valenti's house? Like, are they just in the Valenti's house and they didn't turn any of the lights on? Yeah, that did seem weird. Like, I also thought they were in the Valenti's house. But then why are they sneaking around? And they obviously find Tess's phone. So, assumably, they're at the Valenti house if she lives there. Like, and she just left her phone, forgot her phone, didn't bring her phone with as as you did in 1999, 2000. But here's what here's my question. So Max, like basically the equivalent of star 69, I guess just redials or whatever. Um, And Grant picks up the phone on the other end and they're like, oh, fuck, it's Grant on the other end of the phone. And but like. If Grant is also on a cell phone, because he says this is not a landline, this is a cell phone, like, can't he, like, look at the, I mean, even old school phone phones, like, even, like, the Nokia that I had in, like, 2001 had, like, a little screen on it that I could, like, play Snake and shit on, and, like, and so you'd see the phone number pop up, and he would know it was Tess's phone calling him back because he just talked to Tess about what about what present to get. So, like, none of this makes sense. Isabel and Tess aren't BFFs. Why would Tess even know what kind of flowers Isabel likes when Isabel just said she hasn't treated Tess well? Mm-hmm. Like, what? how would Grant have gotten her number? Why would they have been talking? How would Tess even, like, know him? This is all so bizarre. Another thing that didn't make any sense to me was that Tess would have an address book. Yes, <laughs> a paper address book. A paper address book. Because, like, she has a cell phone, you know, like, you put your friend's numbers in your phone, and that's it, right? It's, this is, it's not, like, 1980. You don't need an address book. I still have an address book. Leave me alone. <laughs> um, speaking of things people said in the 1980s, the sheriff, a grown man, says to Max, a teenage boy, oh, she wanted to jump your bones, huh? No, Jim, why, buddy? Yeah. No. And then he's like, oh, it screws things up every time. And Max asks if it's happened to him. And Jim goes, yeah, in my dreams. Like, uh, yeah. What? What? You Okay. Jim is a virgin, as we have just learned. <laughs> we see Michael searching Whitaker's office next. And everything here is bathed in red light. Hint, hint, hint. We've been seeing a lot of red somewhere else in this episode. Yes, we have. And then Whitaker has surveillance photos of Courtney. We know they're both aliens. Like, are they not aware of each other? Are they not working together? Are they different factions of bad aliens? You're going to have to wait and see. Okay. And then is it Whitaker who's coming back to her office? Is that what scares Michael away? I think so. What? How? She... Mm, is one of the alien powers that they can be in multiple places at once? Like, what is going on? Maybe. She's at the party. She's at the office. She's torturing Tess or something. Who knows? Yes, there are some time, place issues in this episode with Whitaker. Yes. But they also, like, did they lure Tess out there? Were they, like, Jensen's opened a new location 40 miles down the highway 
Because we see then when uh, Isabella and Maria pull up, there's a sign for Red's Diner that says, like, it's five miles away, which means it's far enough outside of town that, like, this is the thing around, the only thing nearby. And this is where Isabel finds the, the gross dissolving skin, and so she knows Tess was taken. But, like, how many of these freaking aliens are there? How did we not know about them before now? I mean, I know they were, like, called by the communicator or whatever, but, like, have they just been chilling, biding their time? How many? Are we going to meet a bunch of them? I'm so excited. You have to wait and see. Are there more good aliens, too? We're just making questionable faces at Lisa for all of you (laughs) listeners out there. Our lips are sealed. Okay, so a U.S. congresswoman is like hiding a teenage girl at a fully functioning power plant that's providing electricity to the county. This is such a bad idea. Also a bad idea is Maria being like, okay, Isabel, you go in by yourself while I drive the thousand miles back to town to get some help. Well, Isabel didn't really give her a choice. Yeah, Maria was not down with that uh, plan of action. But Maria could have gone with Isabel. I don't know if that would have been a better choice, but... Yeah, I mean, she could have followed her despite Isabel saying, you go back to town. I'm going in no matter what. But then it could have just gotten them both killed. Like, I feel like bringing help was probably the best option. Yeah, because Maria doesn't have any superpowers to defend herself. I feel like we were really robbed of not seeing any of their interactions in the car because we know that that Jetta is where the Maribel gold happens. Yes. No. And Isabel in that dress? Right? Maria with that belly button showing they definitely had to like pull over to the side of the road a few times right and like have a little have a little chat have yeah, a little flirt just like work a few things out little tete-a-tete it started with fear how did we end up here when the woman of your dreams is now the woman in your dreams when it meets a homo are illegally entering Grant's motel room. Yes, yes. Sheriff. Just in case you didn't know where they were, it conveniently says motel in a really big neon sign visible from the room window. Yes. Ugh. Sheriff doing illegal stuff. Not my fave. Mm -hmm. Don't like. This whole exchange just makes no sense. Like, Grant absolutely has a lawsuit here. Like, these people are in his room illegally. Absolutely. The sheriff is like, oh, I could get a warrant. Like, but that's not how warrants work. They don't work retroactively. Impressive. Grant is like the only adult around who like knows how things work. Yes. He's like, do you yes. have a search warrant? Then leave. Right. Like, oh, I could get one. Okay, bye. But you don't. So go get one and then come back. I feel like Grant is not alarmed enough that the sheriff of the town that he's working in and the teenage brother of the teenage girl he's trying to date are in his motel room telling him another teenage girl has gone missing he's just like okay well like i didn't do it so bye like this is a lot of information grant and i like need you to be a little more surprised by it if you don't want me to think that you're actually secretly evil okay Ooh, it's speaking of evil things, Courtney is about to smoke a cigarette. Ooh, so she must be evil because no good people smoke cigarettes in 1999 
teenage television shows. And we don't even see her smoking the cigarette because Michael is like, poo, smacks it out of her hand. Which, look, fair, cigarettes are very bad for you. There's no upside to cigarettes. Don't smoke them. But I thought that was very funny that they were just like so (laughs) clearly signaling. Yeah. And you know what's worse than smoking is drugs because drugs screw up your life. Drugs make you go to prison. This story makes no sense at all. (laughs) Here are all the ways in which this story makes no sense. So Courtney says (laughs) she was sleeping with Whitaker's stepson, who screwed up his life with drugs, and I screwed up my life with him. They got busted for drugs, and she took the fall for it and spent two years in Buckman and then got out because she promised Whitaker she'd never see the stepson again. Buckman, as far as I can tell, is a ghost town in Santa Fe County, New Mexico. There is a Buckman (laughs) direct diversion facility, but it provides drinking water for Santa Fe County. Got it. Got it. When was Whitaker married? Who is this stepson? Does she have a relationship? Like, this is all so easy to verify or refute. What a dumb thing for Courtney to just make up. If she's just making it up or what a weird thing for the show to be like, this is fine. If this is supposed to be actually Whitaker's backstory. Also, like this show seems to think Congress people are like the most powerful people in the whole universe because Whitaker just like has the power to keep Courtney in presumably a juvenile detention facility. Right. Like she must have she we think would have been underage when this happened. So she would have gotten out at 18 regardless. I'm just assuming that the whole story is made up, you know, because they're both aliens that maybe she's in on it, you know, like so that in terms of it being easily refutable or verified, you know, it would be up to Whitaker to confirm or Mm -hmm. deny. Right. Well, okay. Courtney slaps Michael. What the heck? And then Michael, like, grabs her and she looks kind of turned on. Well, we know she likes him. I mean, but it's it's very weird. I thought he was being too rough with her at the very beginning of the scene. Yeah. Yeah. I was all about that slap. It's like, sure, slap him. Well, Maria pulls up and sees them and is like, (laughs) oh, shit. I am not into this, but I have more important things to worry about. Michael, get in this car. We're going to save Isabel. We go back to the power plant, sort of where we were at the beginning of this episode. And we see Isabel opening a hole in a steel door with her powers. This is so impressive. It's just like burning holes in metal. Yeah. But you know what's actually, I think, just as impressive, if not more so, is Isabel just using her human strength to kick in a wooden door. Yes. Amazing. Go, Isabel. And she finds Tess, who seems pretty badly injured. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's like wheezing. But we've, we still have no idea what happened to Tess, but she's, yeah, obviously super distressed and injured and weak, weakened and also like power to Emily DeRobin's like crying skills here. She has some very distraught sound effects happening. They're very yeah. good. And then we get this like ironic little thing where Liz is like, oh, yes, Mrs. Evans. Uh, Isabel spilled punch on her dress so she had to leave and Diana's like oh if even one hair is out of place she won't leave the house and then of course we see Isabel just like kicking down doors and like carrying Tess to safety and like sweaty and disheveled and ripping her dress taking her shoes off so she can run faster yeah 
Hell yeah. And then we circle back and we find out that when the door flies open and Isabel says, it's you, <gasps> it's Whitaker. It's Whitaker. And then begins the exposition dump. Yeah. <laughs> well, I took one of you. I didn't know which one because none of us looked like this on our alien planet. We're all just in fucking skin suits. So I grabbed one. It was the wrong one. I wanted you. I want the granolith. Take me to the granolith. Yeah. What's a granolith? We don't know. <laughs> Isabel doesn't know. Skin suits can only live for 50 years. Yeah, what is that about? Did they crash at a different time? How many alien crashes have there been? Because, look, I'm not... Maybe they're a different kind of alien. When did they come here? She says it's been... She's been in in her body for almost 50 years. Like... Do their human bodies age while they're in them? Because that she's not that's not a fifty year old woman. So like has she been in that body looking exactly like that for fifty I think so. years and no one's noticed? Yeah, maybe. But her time is almost up in that body. Can she jump to another body? You can have to wait and see. Yeah, we're not answering these questions, Lisa. Yeah. And neither is the show. <laughs> But we also find out that Izzy's real name was Philandra. Philandra? Philandra. Philandra. And you are beautiful, even more beautiful than you are now. (laughs) Here's one of my big questions is Whitaker says Isabel betrayed her brother and her race for her great love. Does she mean Michael or does she mean someone else? Great question. I mean, Michael is assumably of the same race as her, so... I'm going to choose to believe that somehow, because time doesn't make any sense, she means Isabel's great love, Maria. Yes. Yes. Okay. I like it. Interesting choice here where Isabel and Tess jump through a full glass window, hands and face first. Like, she doesn't turn her back into it. She's just like, this would probably kill you. It would probably hurt a lot if it didn't kill you. Yeah, they would be like completely bloodied up. It would be awful. But I do love, like, so in horror movies, too, I feel like the person who's about to die is, like, running and erratic and jumping through windows and running and running and running. And, like, the villain, like, never seems to have to run. Like, they just, like, are cool and collected and calm and walk and, like, still catch that person. So I kind of, like, loved that, you know, Whitaker magically catches up with them and is, like, completely unfazed and winded after they've, like, jumped through a window and ran. And, like, I did like that, that Whitaker is just very typical horror movie villain in this part. She took the shortcut. (laughs) One thing that really got me here was once she met up with them, she just casually grabs a power cable. Yeah. A humongous power cable. It's just shooting sparks. She's going to use it as a weapon Mm -hmm. to shoot sparks where she wants them to be shot. As you do. As you do with a humongous power cable. Yeah. So that's interesting. Um, And Isabel is kind of learning about this new strength inside of her Mm -hmm. and uses some kind of... At first, it looks like it's a force field, um, like the one that Max has been doing. Mm Mm-hmm. But it's more than that, right? Mm -hmm. Because she's not just defending herself and Tess. She's pushing it back at Whitaker, who then burns up. Yeah. Two thoughts that I had. Well, one main thought was like, this is, wow, what another good use for masks. If there's burnt skin flying all over the place. Wear your mask, folks. Wear your mask. Also, did... Did anyone else see in that wide shot uh, the, like, burning body on the ground? Yeah, there's, like, a skeleton. Yeah. And then there's just, like, little bits of 
skin raining down on them. It's very disgusting. It's very disgusting, yeah. And of course, Maria, Max, Michael, and Valenti all arrive at the exact same moment, just in time to see Isabel in a in a skin shower from this person that she just uh, killed in self-defense. Ew. And Mm -hmm. Valenti has the lights on his cruiser flashing, which is like such a bad move for incognito secret teen alien (laughs) espionage stuff like come on right like leaves the lights off in his own house but (laughs) has flashing lights for when he's trying to sneak up on somebody yeah um and then isabel this is i um, so isabel says i didn't know i was capable of this i'm like oh but hey remember last episode when you were like oh this guy that we just met seems kind of suspicious let's murder him yeah <laughs> that's a good point that's a good point maybe she didn't realize like she possessed the power within her to do this force field thing until she saw max do it yeah i just wanted her to maybe be a little bit more like oh i didn't realize i was capable of killing someone taking another person's life and not just like oh i physically didn't know i could do the sparky thing with my fingers cool also she tells max you know is whitaker she said a lot of things and he's like like what and then she kind of holds back and you can see her being like uh i'm not gonna tell him everything so she tells him about the granolith and not about valandra yeah she's afraid to tell him that uh, apparently she betrayed him in their other life. Yeah, and I mean, I, I'd be afraid to tell somebody that too. His actions lately have not really been instilling a, a sense of, you know, you can tell me anything, I'm here for you. Mm-hmm. Which is why it's so nice that Michael is there to offer yeah. to talk through their shared trauma of, you know, being put in this position where they had to kill in self-defense. Yeah. Um, but Isabel wants to be alone, so she wanders off on foot To walk along the many miles of highway, I guess, to the pod cave. Yeah. Honestly, I laughed a lot when this happened. (laughs) She's like, I just, I think I need to be alone. And just walks off into the desert. Yep. I mean, why would they let her do that? Yeah. You don't just let somebody walk barefoot through the desert in the middle of the night. Okay, but then we wouldn't get Catherine Heigl's monologue, which she's clearly just been waiting for. She's like, let me do some acting. Give it to me. Give it to me now. She's good. She is good. And yeah, she has this whole nice little speech about how she really just wants answers. She feels all alone, which I mean, like you said, because of the way Max has been acting, I kind of get that. And Michael hasn't been that great, you know, like it was very nice of him to offer to talk to her. But like the way he's been talking to her lately hasn't been super helpful. So Isabel feels like she just doesn't have that much of a support system. I think she should try confiding in Diane. Her, mm-hmm. her real mom, who has been there for her yeah. whole life. Yep. Despite Max saying they can't bring her in. Yeah. I do. I get her frustration at her, like, alien mom for not yeah. being around. But, like, she does have a really wonderful mom who I think would try to help her in any way that she could. Mm-hmm. But that's not what we're doing here. What we're doing is throwing a rock and discovering that no one has bothered to explore the pod chamber in depth before. <laughs> There's a whole other room. Yes, there is. With a thing in it. That What is that thing? Mm, what could it be? Could it be that thing we just learned about that Tess and Isabel had never heard of and didn't know what it was or where it was? Dun, dun, dun. 
Lisa, do you have any pressing unanswered questions besides what all of us have discussed in the episode of all of our unanswered questions? <laughs> yeah, I'm interested to see how much more we learn about the skins and whether they're like a different species or just a different faction of the same species as our aliens that we know. Um, and then Whitaker had mentioned that their DNA wasn't blended with human DNA like the hybrids was, but neither was Nesado's. So was he a different type of alien too, or like a really advanced member of the species how does this all work i don't know um i'm curious if we find out what the relationship between courtney and whitaker was whether they're working together or they're rivals or like they had something else going on um and then i yeah i want to see where grant's character goes if he's actually evil or if he's just written as a red herring um and then i have a question for the valenti men which is why are you being the worst and please stop it yeah. Kyle, what does right. the Buddha have to say about misogyny, Kyle? <laughs> yeah, he really needs to work on his uh, Buddhahood there. So now we need to address a very important part of our podcast, which is our hot and saucy award for the week. Now let's see who's hot and saucy. I think I might have made this clear earlier, but my choice is Diane Evans. She's so saucy. This whole episode, I love it. I love seeing her shine in her little moments of being like, Oh, and what what are you doing, men? What is wrong with you? <laughs> Speaking of men, I'm just going to bite the bullet because I think somebody here has to do it. My hot and saucy is... Alex <laughs> and his stupid, almost striptease, not at all striptease dance. His nerdy dance. As uncomfortable as it made everyone, both in our podcast and in that room, um, he really put himself out there, you know, and uh, he worked hard and I will give him the credit. My hot and saucy pick is Isabel being a fucking superhero and like burning through metal and kicking down doors and rescuing Tess like a yeah. fucking badass. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Okay, so um, we need Lisa's predictions as well. So Lisa, the next episode we have is a fan favorite. It is Summer of 47. So based on that episode title and knowing nothing else about what's going to happen moving forward in the series, what do you see happening for our heroes and heroines in Summer of 47? I've heard a lot of really good things about this episode. I do think it's kind of a standalone from what I've seen. Like, it's a flashback or something of that sort. So I think I'm not going to get answers to my plot questions. Um, I'm really curious if there will be any fallout from a United States congressperson disappearing slash dying. There didn't seem to be any fallout, or there hasn't been so far, from Agent Pierce, disgraced former FBI agent, disappearing. Um, but I'm curious to see how that plays out. Curious to see what the granolith does. I'm sure it becomes a thing and I want to hear more about everyone's destinies, but it seems like they were just like, here's a lot of big, important information. And now next week's episode, we're going to do something slightly different. So yeah, we'll see what happens with that. (laughs) Yes. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. We'll be back in two weeks on Tuesday, October 15th with season two, episode four, summer of 47. 
Check out our social media to participate in our ongoing giveaway, which you can enter by filling out a very quick survey to help us get to know our listeners and our followers better. And if you need to find our social media to find that survey and find that giveaway, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Roswell Hot Sauce. As always, you can find notes on our episodes and more information at roswellhotsauce.com and email us at roswellhotsauce at gmail.com. Pass the Hot Sauce is produced and edited by Ashley Hullett. Our theme music is by David Belcourt, and our logo was designed by Billy Murray. Until next time, remember... You may be the king, but I am not bowing down to you. Not in this lifetime. <laughs> <laughs>